Good morning, family. want to welcome, welcome, welcome you all to BT Church. It is a great day. We have some space in here. I see some people standing in the back. We got plenty of space for you right up here in the front if you want to come near, near me. If you don't, I understand. But we have some space for you. Uh, my name is Nick, and I serve as a pastor on staff here. I have the awesome honor and privilege to share with you this morning from God's Word. But before I want to do that, I want to welcome all of our VIPs. If this is your first or second time joining us in the room or online, you are very important to us. So let's give our VIPs some love. We're going to ask you all to do us a favor. All of our VIPs, we ask you if you could text the word BTVIP, one word, uh, to the number 97,000. That gives somebody from our staff an opportunity to connect with you in a deeper way throughout the week. And uh, I've had several neat conversations with people, had the opportunity to pray with some people. Uh, just from texting 97,000, you never know where one conversation will lead. So if you could do us that favor, we would greatly appreciate that. All right. Uh, turn with me to Jonah chapter 3 <clears throat> is where we'll be. Uh, and then we'll head to Jonah chapter 4. And while you're turning there, we'd like to celebrate uh, spiritual decisions that are being made through the ministry of BT Church. And the reason why I say through the ministry of BT Church is because we don't only uh, just celebrate uh, the spiritual decisions made from our Sunday morning gatherings, but we have people on fire for Jesus who come to BT Church, and guess what they do throughout the week? They're spreading the gospel throughout the week. They're making disciples throughout the week, and, uh, and we're experiencing people making spiritual decisions uh, beyond our Sunday morning gatherings. So we celebrate that, and so 175 people so far this year have said yes to Jesus Christ through the ministry of BT Church. And then we also celebrate 121 people going in the waters of baptism, publicly identifying with Jesus. We celebrate that. And guess what? You can be next. <laughs> Today, if, if you don't know the Lord Jesus Christ prayerfully through uh, the worship of singing and the hearing and preaching of the Word of God that that you would encounter God today and turn and trust Jesus Christ. We would love that. That's why we do what we do. We would love that. And also, if you haven't been baptized, guess what? We have water. We have shorts. We have shirts. We have towels. We just need a you, okay? And so, hey, we're trying to remove all excuses, pull out all the stops. We will baptize you today, okay? So just during the invitation, just head out to the Info Center, sign up, and we would love to celebrate you. All right, now let's turn to the Word of God, okay? It is bad news because we're finishing Jonah today. Oh, <clears throat> thank you. I know y'all love Jonah, don't you? <laughs> but the good news is we're getting ready to start experiencing God like Pastor Isaldo said, and uh, that, that will kick off Wednesday night with our church-wide Bible study. It will continue Sunday morning. Uh, in our sermon series. So we're going to have a powerful time experiencing God, but let us experience God right now in the book of Jonah. Did I tell you a verse? Okay, just so you can keep listening to me. Uh, verse 10 is where we'll be. 
It reads like this. God saw their actions, that they had turned from their evil ways, so God relented from the disaster that he threatened them with, and he did not do it. Verse 1 of chapter 4, Jonah was greatly displeased and became furious. He prayed to the Lord, please, Lord, isn't this what I thought while I was still in my own country? That's why I fled toward Tarshish in the first place. I knew that you are a gracious and compassionate God, slow to anger, abounding in faithful love, and one who relents from sending disaster. And now, Lord, take my life from me, for it is better for me to die than to live. The Lord asked, is it right for you to be angry? And look, Jonah had an attitude with God. He didn't even answer. Jonah left the city (laughs) and found a place east of it. He made himself a shelter there and sat in its shade to see what would happen to the city. Then the Lord God appointed a plant, and it grew over Jonah to provide shade for his head to rescue him from his trouble. Jonah was greatly pleased with the plant. When dawn came the next day, God appointed a worm that attacked the plant, and it withered. As the sun was rising, God appointed a scorching east wind. The sun beat down on Jonah's head so much that he almost fainted, and he wanted to die. He said, it's better for me to die than to live. Then God asked Jonah, is it right for you to be angry about the plant? Yes, it's right. He replied, I'm angry enough to die. I ain't never been that mad. I'm just going to tell you that right now. Jonah, you by yourself on that one. I ain't been mad enough to die. So the Lord said, you cared about the plant, which you did not labor over and did not grow. It appeared in the night and perished in the night. But may I not care about the great city of Nineveh? which has more than 120,000 people who cannot distinguish between their right and their left, as well as many animals. And then it ends. The book of Jonah ends on that cliffhanger. It just ups and ends. We don't know what happens with Jonah's heart. We don't know. It's just over. So, uh, We're going to preach today about running against God, running against God. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for the opportunity to preach your word. It's my prayer for the next few minutes. By the power of the Holy Spirit, let your word be clearly communicated. Let Jesus Christ be highly exalted. Let your people be beautifully blessed. In Jesus' name, amen. Jonah has gone from running from God to running to God in the belly of the well, to running with God as he finally submits to God's will and walks in his calling, preaches to Nineveh. He preaches a sermon. They begin to respond in repentance. And now we see Jonah running against God. He's running against God because now he is angry that God is actually gracious and merciful, that that God is actually 
a good God. Jonah is angry that God is actually doing for other people what God has been doing for Jonah. And Jonah's big issue is this. He does not believe that those people, the Ninevites, deserve to receive the grace of God. He he does not agree with the fact that God is pouring out his grace, his compassion, his faithful love on those people. Now, before we look at Jonah in disgust and judgment, everyone under the sound of my voice this morning, we have a those people. Amen. All of us, we have a those people. If they don't vote how you vote, they're those people. If they don't live how you live, they're those people. If they don't, if they don't socially interact how you socially interact, they're, they are those people. If, if, if they don't like the same worship you like, the same genre of worship music you like, they are those people. If, if, they, if they wear different clothes and look a little weird and, and all of this other kind of dressing all black or whatever, in your mind, they are those people. We all have a those people, yes? I know. Don't get quiet in church already. I'm not even to my first point yet. We all have a those people. And here's the crazy thing about it. Guess what? You might be somebody's. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Isn't that funny? You might be somebody's those people. And here... Here's what puts us all in the same boat. When we stand, and we've been singing about the holiness of God, and and I love the worship music set. It was so powerful because guess what? When all of us stand before a holy God, the Scripture says that all have sinned, not just y'all have sinned, but all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. So when we stand before a holy God, guess what? To a holy God, all of us are those people. And here's the good news of the gospel. God so loved those people. Are y'all with me? But Jonah, there was a disconnect between Jonah's theology and his actual life practice. Jonah had great orthodoxy, as we'll see. He had the right doctrine. He had the wrong orthopraxy, the wrong practices of life. Jonah, as we'll see, he had convictions about God rooted in the scriptures that were accurate, but he did not accurately display God's heart to the people. Jonah is running against God. And what I love about this book is this. We find out more about God than we do about Jonah. That's why I love this book. That's why I'm so glad that this book leaves us on a cliffhanger because we don't know how it resolves about Jonah, but, but, but we're left with something about God that if we hold on to, if we run to God, if we look to God, it will transform everybody's life. So when Jonah runs against God, what we see God do is, number one, we see God challenges, he challenges Jonah's conviction. 
He challenges Jonah's conviction. Jonah is upset and angry because he wants a front row seat to the destruction. He wants a front row seat to the hellfire and brimstone, and God does not do it, and Jonah gets an attitude. Amen. God challenges his convictions. Look at, look at it. I'm right here in the text. Jonah says, hey, this is why I fled toward Tarshish in the first place. Why did you flee toward Tarshish, Jonah? Because I knew that you are a gracious and compassionate God, slow to anger and abounding in faithful love. So actually, Jonah's disobedience, it wasn't about the Ninevites. It was ultimately about this. Jonah knew enough about God and his character and how God operates to people that turn to him, and Jonah had an issue with God. Uh-oh. Isn't it something when you try to use God's word back against him? That's, that's what he's doing right now. He is, he is quoting Exodus 34. This is what God says to Moses when Moses, he asks God to show him his goodness. This is what this is what God quotes to Moses when he says, I'm, I'm compassionate, I'm a compassionate God, slow to anger, abounding in steadfast love, one who relents from disaster. What Jonah wanted was the God of justice to be manifested on the Ninevites only. And God says, Jonah, are you right to be this angry? I don't know about you, but I see a lot in the culture that makes me mad, yes? I know y'all mad all the time. If I follow five of y'all on social media, it's going to give me a heart attack. There is a chronic outrage that I will say is unhealthy. We mad all the time about something. And, 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 and God says, hey, is it right for you to be this angry. God begins to challenge Jonah's convictions. See, Jonah had the right information about God, but there was a disconnect between the information that Jonah had about God and how it actually transformed Jonah's life. Because notice this, rather than Jonah proclaiming the word of God, noticing that people are responding to God by turning from their evil ways, rather than Jonah entering the city to now encourage and instruct the people into the ways of God, into the ways of the new God that they're finding out about that they're running to, Jonah retreats gets the best seat in the house so that he can view their potential destruction. God challenges Jonah's convictions because what God knew is that Jonah didn't mind God's grace in the belly of a well, but now Jonah has an issue with God showing grace in the belly of that great city, Nineveh. That God is actually more compassionate, more gracious than we could ever imagine. And Jonah is willing to preach the word. When the word says destruction, justice, wrath, but he is not willing to preach the same word about the same God who is compassionate, slow to anger, rich in mercy, 
abounding in steadfast love. Let me ask us a question. Are we loud about our convictions about God that are just about justice, wrath, and judgment? Are we just as loud about our convictions about God that are full of mercy, compassion, faithful love? I don't know. You got to answer that question. I can't answer it for you. But the next thing that we see God do as Jonah runs against God is God cancels Jonah's comfort. I'm not making it up. Look at it. Look at it right here with me. It says, then the Lord, verse 6 of chapter 4, then the Lord appointed a plant. It grew over Jonah to provide shade for his head to rescue him from his trouble. That's the mercy of God right there. (laughs) That God is still at work being merciful to Jonah, rescuing him, providing rescue from his troubles. And look at verse 8. Jonah, I'm sorry, look at verse 6, still there. Jonah was greatly pleased with the plant. When the dawn came the next day, God appointed a worm that attacked the plant and it withered. Okay, what do we see God do? He is canceling Jonah's comfort. And I don't know about you, but we are living in a day in our country, in this world, where it is increasingly uncomfortable to be a Christian. Are you with me? Am I in here today? Okay. just It's uncomfortable to be a Christian. And hear me. Hear Pastor Nick. Hear my heart. That's not necessarily a bad thing. Yes. See, when, when we were a quote-unquote Christian nation, what were we actually doing? Churches were getting bigger, but were they actually getting better? I don't know. We were spreading something. Was it the gospel? I don't know. You see what I'm saying? When we were a Christian nation, or supposedly, I don't know, but what were we doing with the privilege that we have? See, what I, what I believe, and when we look at this text is this, I believe that God does not want us too comfortable. That's what I believe. Because now we see God canceling Jonah's comfort. People are missing a massive opportunity because as Christians, we want to be comfortable and we don't want to pursue and push and advance the kingdom. Let, Let me come, let me come, let me come down your street. I'm not trying to offend nobody, but if it hits you, just blink fast and I know I got you. Here it is. We have people so comfortable that the average person comes to church like once every five weeks. That's how comfortable we are. (laughs) We are so comfortable that if we are in church too long, we got an attitude. (laughs) I I, I saw a pastor tweet this, and it made me want to shout. This is... This is what uh, this pastor and preacher, this is what she tweeted, and it made me want to shout. She said this, we want an hour service, but we don't have an hour life. I said, oh, man, that'll preach. That's true. 
We want a condensed word, but we don't have condensed issues. We want to be comfortable all the time, and God is canceling the comfort of Jonah. Why is God canceling the comfort of Jonah? Because he's showing Jonah that, guess what? My calling for you is going to bloom and blossom, not in the presence of your comfort, but in the midst of your discomfort. Jonah wants to be comfortable as a spectator versus a servant. He goes out of the city to witness the city's destruction and the shade of the tree grows and it puts him in this nice, shaded, safe area. And guess what God does? He cancels the comfort. He doesn't make it safe for Jonah anymore. I said this at nine, I might as well say it to you. You want to hear it? Okay, this is for all the parents in the room. This summer, don't allow your kids to be comfortable staying away from church. Ain't no excuse now. You feel what I'm saying? It's summertime. Every day that the doors open for youth ministry and they got something going on, bring your children. Yes. Don't let them get too comfortable eating up all your food, it might help you. It might lower the light bill. Like if, if you get the jokers out of the house, it might help. I'm serious. See, that's what we, we, get, so, we get so comfortable in church, and this is what I believe. I believe that, that it is a big issue when our children know more word from coach than they do word from Christ. I'm not trying to offend anybody. But this might be offensive. Let me just say this. <laughs> the enemy is throwing everything that he can at our students. And what are we Christian parents doing? We would rather boycott when somebody get hot on social media rather than bring them to student group. Lord, have mercy. I'm going to tell you the best boycott, the best boycott, the best boycott is for us training our children in the fear and admonition of the Lord. That's the best boycott. That's the best one. All right, I'm off that. <laughs> but what are you saying, Pastor Nick? I'm saying this, that God is canceling our comfort. And here's the beautiful thing. We can learn from our brothers and sisters on the other side of the world who have walked this Christian walk and they have never been comfortable. They have never fully felt safe in an earthly sense, but the kingdom is advancing. The gospel is going forth. Jesus is being proclaimed and people are being saved, not because God wants us comfortable, but because God is good. He's better than safe. He's better than our comfort. Amen? And so I love it because as God cancels Jonah's comfort, what begins to rise to the surface more of Jonah's heart? Because Jonah, after God asked Jonah, hey, is it right for you to be angry about the plant? Is it right for you to complain to me about your discomfort? Jonah says, yes, it is right for me to complain, and I'm ready to die. <laughs> I'm angry enough about the plant to die about the plant. 
Jonah said, I'm ready to lay my life down for a plant. I'm not ready to lay my life down for your calling. And what does God do? I'm, I'm, I'm wrapping up. What does God do? We see God clarifies Jonah's calling. He clarifies Jonah's calling. As God asked Jonah, is it right for you to be mad about the plant? Jonah says, yes, I'm angry enough to die. And then God, look at how God does this. The Lord says, hey, Jonah, you cared about the plant which you did not labor over and, 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 and did not grow. You didn't have to do anything. It appeared in the night and perished in the night. But may I not care about the great city of Nineveh, which has more than 120,000 people who cannot distinguish between their right and their left, as well as many animals? What is God saying to Jonah? God is saying to Jonah, hey, I want to clarify your calling because maybe you don't know me like you think you do. <laughs> See, a lot of us, we have an issue with everything going on out there, and we never stop to investigate what's going on in here. And whenever we are pulled away from our comfort, what will rise is always what's going on in here, in our hearts. That will always rise to the surface. And I love God because God says, hey, guess what, Jonah? Just like I wanted to communicate about who I am to the Ninevites, I also want to communicate who I am to you. What the, what the story of Jonah shows us is this, that we have a God more compassionate, more full of justice, more full of mercy, more full of love than we could ever imagine. How do you know that, Pastor Nick? Because look at what God says. God says this, um, this great city of Nineveh, Nineveh more than 120,000 people. He says, yes, they did evil things, but this is what God says. He says, they don't know their right from their left. They are acting in ignorance. This reminds me of what Jesus said as he was on the cross looking at the people who mocked him, looking at the people who beat him, looking at the people who whipped him, looking at the people who spat on him, looking at the people who laughed and jeered, looking at the people that drove nails in his hands and nails in his feet and the people that put the crown of thorns on his head. And Jesus looks at them and he says, Father, he talks to God as he's looking at them and says, Father, forgive them because they don't know what they're doing. They don't know their right from their left. What this shows us is this, that God is patient with the ignorant. God is patient. I'm sorry, God is compassionate with the ignorant. I'm sorry. And he's patient with the arrogant. That's Jonah. God is compassionate with the ignorant. If you don't know, you don't know. Even if you do something bad, it's still bad. Notice God didn't say that their evil was less evil. Notice that. God never said that. God never said that the wickedness of Nineveh is less wicked because of their ignorance. He never said that. What God is saying is this. I care about ignorant people. Yeah. I'm compassionate toward the ignorant. But, but notice who he's talking to. He's talking to Jonah. Who is Jonah? Jonah is the prideful, 
running, arrogant prophet that does not want to do what God wants him to do. And what is God also communicating to us? God is compassionate to the ignorant, but he's also patient with the arrogant. This is why I say God is more loving, more compassionate, more full of justice, more holy than we could ever imagine. If he is compassionate with the ignorant and patient with the arrogant, then guess what? Guess what both the ignorant and the arrogant, guess who they need? They need God. We are in the same boat. Amen. Guess how we need to live our lives, both the ignorant and the arrogant. We both need to live our lives humbly confessing our need for a Savior. Amen. Because if we are ignorant, if we are ignorant and we are still living our lives doing works of evil, works of darkness, even though we are ignorant, we stand, we stand under the wrath of a holy and just God who is full of mercy and full of compassion. But if we don't turn to him humbly, guess what? We'll never experience his goodness, his mercy, his compassion. So we need to humbly turn to him. If we're ignorant, we need to turn to him. If we are arrogant, guess what we need to do? We need to turn to him. Because none of our righteousness means anything. All of our righteousness, as as the prophet said, is as filthy rags that none of us are so good to where we can stand on our own before a holy God. Jonah, the reason why you're a prophet is because God called you in the first place. You didn't call yourself. God called you. Sometimes I do think we, we enter in church and, and, and we feel like we're in church and because we've been in church for a long time, we think we've been in Christ for a long time. But that's not the truth. Being born in an oven won't make you a biscuit. Right? You can be born in church and not be born again. That's why all of us need Jesus. Praise the Lord. Amen. And the good news of the gospel is this. Jesus is available for both the ignorant and the arrogant once we humbly turn to him and place our faith in him and live for him. This is what Jonah was missing. And the reason why I love the book of Jonah is because God wants us to know more about who he is. He wants us to know more about his heart than Jonah's heart. Now, here's here's the tragedy. Here's the tragedy of Jonah. The tragedy of Jonah is not that God had compassion on the ignorant and he was patient with the arrogant. The, The tragedy of Jonah is this. There was a prophet of God that was cool with speaking the words of God without embracing the heart of God. And we don't need a church full of people eager to boldly proclaim the word of God and we won't eagerly embrace his heart. Are you with me? 
See, we don't like this kind of preaching, but, but, but it's good anyhow. Because the word of the Lord says, says, says it like this. It is not the Lord's will that any perish. And how will a dying world hear about a risen Savior that has come to give life and life more abundantly? We need people who will boldly proclaim his word while also embracing his heart. You see, Jonah, he proclaims the word, but what does Jonah do? Jonah, he runs outside of the city to sit and spectate and watch for the best seat of the house for the hell, fire, and brimstone. That's what Jonah was doing. He was sitting outside of the city to watch the destruction of the city. But what I love about Jesus is this. Jesus, he enters the city on Palm Sunday, and they're preaching, and they're praising, and they're singing, and those same people would reject him. And then Jesus exits the city not to wait for their destruction, but Jesus exits the city to weep. He weeps because they are rejecting the king of salvation. Jesus, he leaves the city, but Jesus doesn't leave the city to spectate. Jesus leaves the city to humbly serve the city as the sacrifice for the city's sins, the people in the city, and to be the source of salvation. That's how Jesus served. We don't need more Jonas. We all need more Jesus. Amen? Let me close my Bible so you know I'm telling the truth. I'm done. I'm done. But what are some next steps for all of us? For all of us, we need to evaluate our convictions. Are we holding on to convictions that are rooted in pride, pride about our knowledge of what we know about the word? Or are they rooted in the God who has saved us? <laughs> what I want you to do is I want you to make a list of those people in your life. Make a list of all of your those people and commit to praying for them for a week. Before you tweet about those people, pray for those people. Uh-oh. <laughs> Ask yourself this question, am I running against God or am I running with God? Am I running for God? Am I running to God or am I running against God? See, this is the thing. God's will is going to happen. The question is not will God's will happen. The question is will God's will happen and I get to experience it or will I be like Jonah just parking, complaining, saying, God, I'm through with you and I want you to be through with me. That's what Jonah was saying. I'm ready to die. Jonah was saying, God, listen, I don't care about my calling anymore as a prophet. I'm ready to die, right? Like it, you saving people that I don't want to be saved and I don't want to speak your word no more. I'm ready to die. Pack it up. I'm ready. I love it what Pastor Chris said a few weeks ago. He said, hey, you might be done with God, but God ain't done with you. Amen. We don't get to decide that. God decides that. You know, June, 
in our culture is a very important month. In our culture, June is a very important month. Yes? I'm talking to y'all. Yes? Okay. Very important month. Uh, in our culture, June is Black Music Month. And see, y'all, some of y'all thought I was going somewhere. <laughs> it is Black Music Month, though. Uh, it's my, June is my favorite month of the year, I'm going to just tell you. Not just because it's Black Music Month, but it is also my birthday month. So I celebrate June every June. I do. But no, in our culture, y'all know where I'm going. June, in our culture, this is a month that people celebrate pride. And what are they proud of? There are people that are proud of not honoring God's design for human sexuality. There are people that are proud of living lives that are contrary to God's word. There are people that are proud of that. Yes? Yeah. And while people are bold and proud of that, hear me, while people are bold and proud of that, I believe those people are like the people that God describes in Jonah. These are people... And some Christians would consider them those people. But these are people, like God tells Jonah, they don't know they're right from their left. These are people who, who while they seem arrogant to us, they, they are operating in an ignorance. Because I believe that when you truly come into contact with the gracious and merciful and just God who is abounding in steadfast love, I believe that that will change your life. And so when I, when I look at people in our culture that, that celebrate pride and they and their pride, you know, I want the heart of God toward those people. And I'm going to just be honest. My concern is not with the people in the culture who celebrate pride. If they're not followers of Jesus, that's not my concern. Our concern should be the proud prophets in the church that don't embrace and display the heart of God toward those people. What does that mean? Does that mean you can't tell the truth? No, that doesn't mean you can't tell the truth. Look at Jesus. The scripture says that Jesus was the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. That's Jesus. But you know what? I think proud people would talk to Jesus. Are proud people talking to us? Our concern is not the pride in the streets or the parades going on. Our concern are the proud prophets in the pews who are running against God, not posturing ourselves to communicate the graciousness and the goodness and the love and the justice and the faithfulness of our God. Because remember what I said, God is compassionate toward the ignorant. He's patient with the arrogant. We need to posture ourselves so that we are in proximity to proclaim, for God so loved the world. 
that he gave his only son that whoever believes in him will not perish but will have everlasting life. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but that through him the world might be saved. We need to posture ourselves so that we can proclaim that message. And we won't proclaim that message being prideful prophets like Jonah. But we will proclaim that message being humble servants like Jesus. And you know who Jesus said that to? Jesus didn't say that to the woman at the well. Jesus didn't say that to the most ratchet person you have in your mind. You know who Jesus said that to? Seriously. Jesus gave that good news to a goody two-shoes named Nicodemus. Nick at night. That's who Jesus said that to. So you know who needs the gospel? All of us. Amen? Amen. Listen, if you're here under the sound of my voice this morning and, and you don't know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, you don't know the God who loves you, who sent his son to die for you so that you would not perish in your sins. You don't know the God who's running toward you when you're running from him. You don't know the God who's running toward you and running for you even when you're running against him. We want to give you that opportunity now to trust Jesus as your Lord and Savior. I'm getting ready to lead us in a prayer. And what I'm going to ask, if you're not serving, please, please limit your walking. I believe we've gotten too comfortable walking that invitation when Jesus is literally doing heart surgery on people right now. You wouldn't want nobody just walking in and out of your heart surgery and they, and they weren't serving, would you? I'm serious. I'm asking you. No. I mean, you would be out. You wouldn't be able to know, but still. It's the, the principle of it, you know. I know we want to get kids and get in line. I promise you, they got more graham crackers for the kids. It's, it's not going to take long. But let's honor this invitation time as God is doing heart surgery on somebody. So, so if, if you don't have to go nowhere, it's not an emergency, please limit walking as we do the invitation. Let's bow our head and close our eyes. Heavenly Father, I thank you for this time. And as you prepare hearts, for those that want to receive Jesus, Lord, I ask that you would meet us here. Now, if you are prepared to trust Jesus, Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, just sincerely repeat after me. Say, Heavenly Father, I come to you today confessing that I need you. I'm lost. I need to be found. I'm a sinner. I need a Savior. And say, I believe Jesus Christ is my Lord and Savior. And I believe that he died on the cross for my sins and that he rose again on the third day. And today, by faith, I put my trust in Jesus Christ. Thank you for saving me. Thank you for forgiving me. Thank you for loving me.
My life is yours forever. Amen.